Hey folks, my name is Jason Spies and I travel across these great states talking to small business owners, CEOs, policymakers, musicians and mentors about making money, giving back and balancing life. I find out how they prioritize professional and personal time while still making money. Yes indeed, our guests are real heavyweights in understanding business and life. So get ready to relax, learn a little bit, and get a cup of coffee ready because my name is Jason Spies and this is Coffee and Capitalism Radio. Sitting on a million, sitting on it every day. Can't make no money giving your stuff away. Why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do. Put your stuff on the market. You can make a million too. Welcome to Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Coffee and Capitalism brings you exclusive interviews and distinct content from leaders who drive our economy. From CEOs to small business owners to mentors, Coffee and Capitalism is a leader in innovation, ideas, and inspiration. Coffee and Capitalism is about making money and giving back. Learning the fine art of balancing work and family life, all while prioritizing your time. And before we get into the programming here real quick, I do want to mention, uh, I want to thank you very much for tuning in here to the program and listening to us for your content. Uh, there's so many different ways to get your content in today's world. I mean, I was filling up my car the other day and Steve Harvey was telling me the news at the gas pump. So, I mean, there's a hundred different ways, thousands of different ways, millions if you include the website. Uh, websites in order to get your content. So we appreciate you very much tuning in to us today here for your exclusive interviews, distinct content. You're not going to find this anywhere else but right here on Coffee and Capitalism Radio. Now, what we try to do is we learn how to live life and make money, and that's pretty much all we try to do here is learn that fine art and balance by people telling their stories. And at the same time, we talk about ways to incorporate uh, the market into your life. Because honestly, if you have a mortgage, a student loan payment, a car payment, you got a small business called yourself. You have to cash flow yourself. So that's kind of the old 5,000 foot view of the program. And let's get into today's topics. All right, let's see what we're going to talk about today. Oh, we got a great one. We do this uh, program with Kids in Capitalism. Multimedia journalist Otis goes around the country interviewing uh, some of the top minds when it comes to capitalism. And this week, it's no slouch. Linda McMahon, small business administrator and co-owner of the WWE World Wrestling Entertainment, She's part of uh, President Trump's cabinet, multimedia kidpreneur. Otis, uh, Otis interviews Linda McMahon, small business administrator, as part of our support for the kids in capitalism, the growing responsible capitalists. All right. And then we talk with Jeff Bass and Lee Lindquist with Ridge Enterprises a little later in the program. Interesting, interesting story. Uh, Solar-powered oil well. That's right. Solar-powered oil well. So we're going to talk with them. And they believe they've created the first ever one, whether they have or not, not sure, but uh, they got some passion behind it and a very different way to integrate some different innovations together. So uh, Jeff Bass and Lee Lindquist, Ridge Enterprises, a little later in the program. Terry Edom with 
BEO Report. He's an energy writer. Talks about a potential issue with natural gas when it comes to storage. We have all this abundance happening with natural gas, low natural gas prices. But because the pipeline infrastructure is not built and a few other things, uh, there might be a problem come March when it comes to natural gas if we have a cold winter. So Terry Edom, energy reporter for BEO Report, talks to us about that. And then John Weaver, W. Reynolds Commercial Capital, explains how his method of financing is unique and it allows more options in a traditional lender. We want to talk a little money as we start the new year here, 2019. Uh, let's see what else we got going on. Oh, Tom Pexcamp, that's what I wanted to mention. Our singer-songwriter bumper music is Tom Pexcamp, uh, featuring all day long free rockandroll.com is the website, or you can go to thecrudelife.com and click on our links. And you can certainly purchase Tom Peck's Camp's music from there. All right, all that plus much more on today's episode of Coffee and Capitalism Radio. My name is Jason Spies. This is Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. You can be my little pony, I'ma be your big stud. You can be Bugs Bunny, I'll be hell, but I'll follow you. Today's music is performed by Tom Pexcamp, singer-songwriter extraordinaire. If you'd like to know more information about Tom Pexcamp, the singer-songwriter, freerockandroll.com. That's freerockandroll.com. Or go to The Crude Life and click on the Musicians tab. Tom Pexcamp. Welcome back to Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, Linda McMahon, small business administrator, is interviewed by multimedia kidpreneur Otis as part of the Kids and Capitalism KidCast. Hello, my name is Otis with the Kids and Capitalism KidCast, and today we have Linda McMahon, the small business administrator, and we're going to ask her a few questions, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Uh, what was your first job? My first job was being a uh, cashier in a grocery store. I was a local uh, grocery store, and my friends, my parents' friends owned the uh, grocery store, so they trained me to be a cashier, and that was my first sort of real job. I'd done babysitting jobs before that, but that was my first sort of big job. All right. Uh, how does the SBA help young entrepreneurs like myself? You know, I don't know that we have the kind of programs we ought to have for young entrepreneurs, except that I think that you can go online, and I bet your generation does that an awful lot. <laughs> uh, we go to sba.gov, and you can see all the programs that are available that you might just learn about. So when you're maybe a little older, ready to start your business other than your podcasting business, you can get some, um, some of the basics. Uh, what advice do you have for young entrepreneurs like me? I just applaud that you have the courage to go out and do something on your own and just keep at it because, you know, we, we build our cities and our states and our countries 
on small businesses. They are the innovators and they are the creators. And so just uh, keep up with what you're doing. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to fail. Well, this concludes our interview with uh, Linda McMahon, uh, small bu- the small business industry administrator. Uh, thanks for your time. Thank you very much. I think that's a wrap. <laughs> Thank you very much, Multimedia Kidpreneur Otis, and your interview with Linda McMahon, the Small Business Administrator and co-owner of the World Wrestling Entertainment, WWE. All right, if you want to access or listen to more Multimedia Kidpreneur Otis interviews or check out more on Kids and Capitalism, go to kidsandcapitalism.com. That's kidsandcapitalism.com. All right, my name is Jason Spies. This is Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Today's music is performed by Tom Pexcamp, singer-songwriter extraordinaire. If you'd like to know more information about Tom Pexcamp, the singer-songwriter, freerockandroll.com. That's freerockandroll.com. Or go to the Crude Life and click on the Musicians tab. Tom Pexcamp. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. I was tears old when John Lennon died Well, I was 23 when George said goodbye Yeah, next go, I think it's Paul, I say Welcome back to Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, Jeff Bass and Lee Lindquist with Ridge Enterprises. This is Jeff Bass with Ridge Enterprises. I'm the owner of the company. Um, we do gas compressor uh, packaging and um, also into the solar aspect of it. And my name is Lee Lindquist, also with Ridge Enterprises, and I'm the engineer and software designer for the solar project outstanding uh thank you gentlemen for joining us here on the crude life media network and i'll kind of give the audience a little bit of the origination of this story uh it actually developed on social media where i believe it was jeff base that had circulated some of his either photos or videos about a solar unit hooked up to one of those old donkey rigs out there and i gotta tell you it was one of the coolest innovation meets old school analog meets uh, digital type of uh, um, scenarios you could see and if you go to ridge enterprises i'm sure that um, 
either on their social media accounts. They have it there. But So they brought on Lee Lindquist as well, the uh, engineer behind the whole solar project. But we're going to talk about other topics as well. But let's start off with that solar unit because that's that to me is uh, really visionary. It just seems like where this whole industry is going. We've talked so much about the connection of of oil and gas to natural gas in terms of power generation, but we're starting to see some solar come into it. At least that's what I thought. Jeff, talk to me a little bit about what this solar thing hooked up to the donkey unit is. Well, it was a it was an idea of mine from about ten years ago, and and um, I I had a lot of contacts in the oil field, obviously in the electrical part of it, and and I kept. Uh, talking to those guys trying to trying to figure out a way we we live in such a remote area um that a lot of times we don't have access to electricity and um some of these guys don't have access to run off of their own wellhead gas uh, and they're spending a lot of dollars on on um, propane and uh, i just couldn't get anybody to believe in the idea and and uh finally uh, Lee's brother-in-law works for us, and we got to talking about it, and and got with Lee, and and um, kind of discussed what we wanted to do, and Lee designed and, and uh, engineered the model. Uh, we built a, a prototype and had it out on a lease for 30 days just to test it. Uh, that particular well made six to seven barrel of oil and three barrel of water and 50 to 60 MCF a day. And uh, in the 30 days, we had no lost production uh, in, in runtime. And it was just a very, very neat and simple package uh, on, on the particular wells that, that we've done so far. The two that you see on LinkedIn are actually in the field uh, working for McCoy Petroleum. Uh, but really, I, you know, I, it was a godsend to find Lee. He was... Uh, he was a person that took it and said, yes, I think it will work. And in about a month, he came back to me and he said, yes, we can make this work. So we we got started building our prototype. And let me ask Lee a question here. When Jeff came to you with this idea, what, when I saw the, the video or the on um, social media, to me it looked like, something that a couple guys, no offense, maybe having a beer or two would put together in the backyard. It just seemed like such basic garage logic. Um, when, when he came to you with that idea, did you instantly know how it was going to work? Or was this something you thought of in the past? Just talk to me a little bit about, because like I said, when you look at it, the, the visual says, well, duh, it's like two kids putting together an erector set, just put, hooking things together. But I'm sure there's a lot more complication didn't do it than that. Yeah, so that's kind of why I was really interested in the whole project. I've got a background in electrical engineering and, and just a passion for solar and alternative fuels in general. And uh, when Jeff came to me and said, hey, I've got this idea and everybody's told me it can't be done, I said, well, I don't know much about the oil field, but I, I know something about solar and electrical design, and I'd love to take a look at it and see what could be done. So, um, yeah, it wasn't an immediate, you know, obvious answer of, yes, this will work, or no, it wouldn't. It was a, uh, let's collect some data and, and see what it would take to make this thing work. And so um, we started by just going around to several 
different pump jacks out in the field. Some run with electrical, uh, some on engines with natural gas, some on propane. Uh, just kind of looking at the different scenarios because I, like I said, I knew up until about a year ago, maybe a little longer, I knew very little about the oil field and um, have had to uh, had a really rapid education on that. But um, the biggest challenge that we faced was overcoming the the difference in torque on these uh, on these pumping units when when you're lifting the weights or depending on how they're balanced. You know, typically when you're lifting the weights, there's a lot higher torque requirement, and then when the weights are falling. Uh, it's got a regenerative moment where it actually, the pump jack will try to uh, accelerate the engine or the motor that's powering it and managing all of that without any type of, of storage. This, this system that we built has no batteries, no no ultra capacitors or anything like that. It's, it's all um, managing it actively within the uh, the variable speed drive, and that's kind of where the where the, the magic happens or where the secret sauce is, is being able to control that uh, the speed and the torque of that motor to um, to run it on an intermittent power source. Lee Lindquist, and then also Jeff Bass, they're with Ridge Enterprises, talking about kind of a, a solar and uh, pump jack, donkey pump jack uh, hybrid unit that they're um, finding some success on. And you, you did answer my next question, which was the biggest obstacle of torque. And I kind of figured that would be the... the um, answer and so i wrote down uh cummings and g to it and swift transportation and so um i'll let whichever one of you feels comfortable answering this but jeff we talked a little bit off uh off air a little bit about how you've got some relationships up in the bakken with g to it so that's why i wrote down g to it but uh when, when i interviewed jerry swift with uh i'm sorry uh, jerry Moyes, ceo of swift transportation they were working with cummings they were trying to get their fleet, their trucking fleet, uh, to natural gas engines. And Cummings is working on a natural gas engines. But torque was the problem. They couldn't get over the Rocky Mountains Is at the end of the day. They were having some issues there. And when you mentioned that seemed to be the, the biggest obstacle for you was torque. Now, Jeff, we talked about working with G2IT on some things. Do you fold in like a natural gas? Is, is there a second or a third option to the solar that comes into play on these types of things. Talk to me a little bit about how you're working with uh, G2IT, and I imagine you guys are working on some of that torque issue together. Well, we were when we were doing that, uh, we were strictly building um, gas compressor units for, for them. They were uh, out in the field on, on a lot of these uh, new locations that had absolutely no infrastructure, uh, no pipeline, no power, um, nothing, and um, we set up a compressor unit and uh, uh, worked with Berg Cooling um, out of Canada, and basically what they were doing, we were processing the gas um, into the chiller and dropping it down to somewhere between 20 and, and 30, 35 below zero, um, and breaking all of the solids out of it. Um, they would then pump it into a, a tanker, and uh, when that tanker got full, they'd bring another tank out and take that to the railhead. And to listen to the whole-length interview with Jeff Bass and Lee Lindquist with Ridge Enterprises, or to check out other full-length interviews, go to thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Also, you might want to check out our YouTube page, subscribe to that as well, or our newsletter. Right there, all that's available at thecrudelife.com. 
My name is Jason Spies. This is Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. And I was two years old when John Lennon died well, I was born near a harvest moon I wasn't too late and I wasn't too soon And I was born on the first day of my life And I was two years old when John Lennon died Today's music is performed by Tom Pexcamp, singer-songwriter extraordinaire. If you'd like to know more information about Tom Pexcamp, the singer-songwriter, free rock and roll Dot com. That's free rock and roll dot com or go to the crude life and click on the musicians tab. Tom Pexcamp. Well, I've told the truth. Yeah, you know that I've lied. You know, we do what we do so we can survive. And I was two years old when John Lennon died. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com. Welcome back to Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, Terry Edom, energy writer for the BEO Report. Hi, this is Terry Edom, and I'm an energy writer for the BOE Report in Calgary, Canada. Let's also give you a plug for your private company that you're affiliated with, if you want, um, just to kind of even layer it a little bit further that, you know, you kind of do this day to day. Not only do you write about it, but you also work in it. Um, what's the uh, private company you're involved with? Uh, it's, uh, yeah, just a bunch of guys that um, have bought and sold small companies for a number of years. And uh, we're, we're owned in-house. It's called Outlier Resources. And we're a private company. We're mostly focused on natural gas development in Canada, so, which is a tough way to make a living these days. But it's working out okay so far. So I've been around for about three years now. Oh, I think the natural gas um, industry is going to be the tortoise one versus the hare, where that, that one's going to pay off. I mean... If people are still hanging around when you can get 
you know, natural gas for a quarter and that sort of thing. Um, you know, it's, it's only got room to go up, and that's going to make a lot of the um, natural gas investments pay off. I, who, who knows when, though? That's the problem. It just seems like who can not hemorrhage the most and, and kind of go through some of these low prices. Um, anyway, sorry, to, I kind of uh, editorialized there for a second, but um, what's your what's your outlook on natural gas, I guess? You know, you write about it. You're involved with it. I think it's, a, you know, it's right now it might be down a little bit, but I think it, overall it's going to look pretty good. I think you're right. I think it's it, a, a lot of places on a macro level, it's viewed as kind of the um, fuel of the future because it, it can meet the needs of the environmental side as well as just being a good uh, clean burning fuel. And, and there is a relative abundance for sure. So I think it does have a good future. I think it's had a few hard years here, mostly a victim of its own success because the, uh, the Marcellus Utica region in particular has been so prolific. And then the rise of associated gas through the Permian and Bakken and other other plays has, has created a bit of a uh, glut of it for the shorter term. So, but I think the future does look very good. Well, in in the Bakken, which you mentioned, uh, there's so much flaring that they actually relaxed the um, regulations in favor of industry. Um, and I, I'm looking at your column that you wrote here for the BOE report which is uh, Seven Marcellus Natural Gas Myths, or You're Playing with Fire America, uh, which prompted me to get in touch with you to just talk a little bit about natural gas, what's going on out there. So um, I don't know if you have any comments on, on the recent regulations in the Bakken as far as the relaxing of them, for, to, like I said, that favors industry, or maybe even the Marcellus one. But talk to me a little bit about uh, you know, your column and what um, kind of led you to write this. To write it was it was intended as a bit of a wake up call because there's um, it seems to be the notion has permeated the entire uh, media sphere that, that we have a hundred year supply of gas that North America does and that it's going to be cheap forever. The phrase uh, just in time gas gets bandied around now. I've heard it in some publications. Uh, a reference to the, the fact that we may not even need as much natural gas storage as we have in the past. Um, because of this huge supply of wealth that can bring on as much gas as we need it whenever we need it. And that's a bit of a, it seems a bit of a dangerous uh, thing to get too uh, hypnotized by because as we can see now in the United States, we've entered the, the winter with uh, the lowest storage, natural gas storage in 15 years. And the if it's a warm winter, everything will be fine. If it's a cold winter, if, for example, if we would draw as much gas from storage as we did in the 2013-2014 year, we would completely drain natural gas storage supplies in the United States. And that would be, and that's what I mentioned in the column, is that I think people should be aware of what that would look like. If you imagine Chicago running out of gas in February, for example, um, it, I, I can't even picture what that would look like, but it's, it, it is a possibility. And it's not fear-mongering to say that because people have been, become so so hypnotized by the, um, the bountiful supplies that just keep coming, even though prices are low. But I think that might not go on forever. Well, let's talk about you know what moves it around. Of course, in crude oil, there's been a bottleneck, and uh, pipelines have made the news. Uh, they're building a lot of pipelines. Uh, in the Bakken, they're building some um, gas processing plants, which is going to help. But I go back to the natural gas pipelines. Is there, is there any uh, bottlenecking going on, or is there is there too much gas being produced? You know, obviously in the Bakken there is. That's why there's so much flaring. But 
How about, you know, Marcellus, other places? What, what, what are you hearing about the pipelining when it comes to natural gas? Yeah, the, the pipelining is an interesting aspect because it's, it's, uh, it hasn't kept pace with the development, which is understandable. If you look at the Marcellus going from essentially zero to 30 BCF a day in a dozen years, which is just absolutely unprecedented. So that there, there, there wasn't pipeline infrastructure to deal with that. You couldn't imagine that 15 years ago. The same as the Bakken, the amount of gas coming out of the Bakken, and, and the Permian also, which has been kind of caught. So, so the development of these resources can can far outstrip the ability of pipelines to, to get built. So there has been bottlenecks, and for a long time, in the article I showed a chart about how the, the Marcellus was bottlenecked for years. Uh, it looks like that's finally broken free. There's enough uh, takeaway capacity now, which has just happened, well, in this past year even. Um, so, so the Marcellus is looking in better shape as far as being able to get get to market. Bakken is 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 in the same situation, bottleneck, and like you said, they're having to flare. And the Permian is a, it's a very big issue there. Um, it, there's talk that it might even constrain oil output if they can't deal with the gas properly, if they can't get enough uh, flaring permission, or if the lines to Mexico or out west aren't uh, built in time. So, the, the development of these fields that's happening so quickly does create localized bottlenecks for sure. And it just takes time for, for them to get worked out. But a, a byproduct of those bottlenecks is some very strange pricing situations where you'll get, and up here in Canada, we have a two with the associated gas with the uh, Montney and the Duvernay are big plays up here. And there's so much gas being produced, the gas has gone negative in price here in, in Canada in the past year. And right now it's trading at like 30 cents per, per thousand cubic feet, which is, which is, um, ridiculously low but it's just a, another bottleneck so like in the Bakken for example a lot of times um you look at a chart at the production of a well and it goes down pretty fast um it's got big yes. big numbers in the beginning then it kind of goes down and then and then they just stop drilling it and and so then they either come back and they can refrack it as as a method once the technology changes or they figure out a different solution something like that and then, of course, you've got, you know, your ducks, your, your drilled but un- uncompleted inventory, that sort of thing, to where, to me, those are like two, I guess, uh, creators of natural gas. But if, if you're flaring so much of it in the Bakken, for example, where there's such a sharp decline in, in production after it's initially done, um, my question is, is, you know, is if there's projections of Chicago, you know, potentially could have some... Uh, somebody like Chicago could potentially have, you know, shortages of natural gas. And the way that we've drilling is now changed the harvesting or the flow of natural gas. Do you understand what I'm getting at to where are we running out of uh, storage units for our natural gas between the ducks and the refracts? I, I think so. And I think some people have viewed ducks as the storage, which doesn't necessarily work either because uh, it's, it doesn't mean that it, the gas can get from where it's being produced to where it's needed. Uh, and that's the biggest issue. Like the, the Bakken gas, like you say, it's essentially has no value if it's being flared, right? To listen to the full-length interview with Terry Edom, energy writer for the BEO Report, or to listen to other Coffee and Capitalism features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. We also are on Facebook, social media, as well as YouTube, LinkedIn, you name it. 
Go to the crudelife.com, click on the social media tab, and you can check out our network right there. My name is Jason Spies. This is Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Today's music is performed by Tom Pexcamp, singer-songwriter extraordinaire. If you'd like to know more information about Tom Pexcamp, the singer-songwriter, freerockandroll.com. That's freerockandroll.com, or go to The Crude Life and click on the Musicians tab. Tom Pexcamp. Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Over the past few months, I've told you about how unbelievable Hatch coaching is. Well, don't just take my word for it. Listen to what Greg Tavine of Emerging Prairies has to say about Hatch coaching. I got to watch him give a talk at TEDx Brookings. It's been said that if you want to create competition, tell everyone your success. And if you want to create compassion, share your weaknesses. And Eric's somebody that could easily lead with all he's accomplished. To find out more about Hatch coaching or to have Eric Hatch speak at your event or company, visit HatchCoaching.com. That's Hatch coaching.com or call 701-212-1572 that's 701-212-1572 so here's to all of the good thinkers and here's to the lonely drinker but don't you know let this moment pass. Welcome back to Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, John Weaver with W. Reynolds Commercial Capital. My name is John Weaver. I am a commercial loan broker. I own my own company, W. Reynolds Commercial Capital, out of Abilene, Texas. Abilene, Texas. Uh, you grew up in Texas, didn't you? I did. I grew up in a small farming community, uh, a little bit uh, north of Abilene. Um, you, you know, just a typical, uh, I guess, typical everyday, you know, growing up experience. Uh, it was real good, you know. 
did a lot of, you know, running in the creek and all sorts of other stuff. Oh, yeah. You grow up in probably ag and energy and sports and everything along those lines. But you've got a banking background in your family, don't you? Well, uh, my dad was the vice president of a, a local bank, uh, you know, in the small farming community where I grew up. Um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that that's uh, a banking background. You know, he never really discussed work uh, in, in any amount of detail, but uh, it certainly got me interested in it. My mom, uh, when I was growing up, owned her own uh, pharmacy, um, you know, for the time when it was, you know, when you could still do that. Now it's really hard for people to do that. Um, but, you know, so I was always really interested in being an entrepreneur, always interested in the uh, the financial, you know, markets and uh, world, I guess. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about the professional world that you're involved with. John Weaver with W. Reynolds Commercial Capital. Uh, what what are some of the things that you guys, you guys probably give loans for everything, but is there something that you kind of focus on or something you're specializing in? Well, I do a lot of different things. You know, I do equipment finance and leasing for, you know, I mean, anyone that needs to buy any kind of equipment pretty much. I do SBA 7A and 504 loans. Uh, if you're not familiar with 504, that's generally used to purchase uh, commercial real estate. Of course, we do. You know, I also do commercial real estate, including mezzanine finance and uh, CMBS. And then, and you know, I do accounts receivable factoring, which is, uh, you know, when you look at businesses today, uh, and this is across the board, really, uh, the problem that every business runs into is that they, they don't have enough capital or they don't have enough, you know, advertising. And, you know, that's why I'm really excited to partner with the crude life and rig reporter, um, because, you know, you guys are, are out there advocating for my business and you're also supporting all of the, uh, the oil and gas industry and helping them to find out about these new and exciting different innovations that are coming out and the, you know, all these different people that offer solutions to the various problems that are specific to the oil and gas industry. That's why I'm so excited to partner with you guys because uh, I'm myself trying to break into the oil and gas industry and see if there are solutions that I might bring to the table, which might impact, you know, a couple of, uh, of your listeners and help them to improve their bottom lines. Well, let's talk a little bit about that, as long as we're talking turkey here, that one of those solutions that we felt that you could bring to the oil industry was one that kept coming up over and over again, which was receivables. A lot of people were having troubles, you know, getting their receivables the last few years. 60 days turned into 90 days, and then all of a sudden you had to re resubmit your tax ID number so they got another 30 days out of the deal. I mean, all kinds of different things happen. But uh, talk to me a little bit about that accounts receivable side of uh, your business. Right. Accounts receivable factoring, uh, really, that is critically important for uh, numerous, numerous businesses out there, um, especially the oil and gas industry. Uh, as they're now waiting 90 and 120 days to get paid on services that they've already performed. Um, you know, when you have a business that is experiencing these cash flow delays, um, you know, it creates these peaks and valleys in your income stream. 
To listen to the full-length interview with John Weaver with W. Reynolds Commercial Capital or to listen to other full-length interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Coffee and Capitalism Radio is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check out our social media presence. Go to thecrudelife.com and check out our YouTube page, our LinkedIn page, our Facebook page, you name it. All that plus much more at thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies. This is Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. So here's to watching the clocks of our grandfathers. And here's to stopping and picking flowers. And here's to not letting this moment pass you by. So here's to the picture that holds us laughing And here's to the sound of one hand clapping And here's to not letting this moment pass Sitting on a million, sitting on it every day Can't make no money giving you stuff away Why don't you do now Like the millionaires do Put your stuff on the market You can make a million too Minnie's a crooked woman Diamonds on every hand Tricking mother for you Everywhere she lands Why don't you do now like the millionaires do Put your stuff on the market or You can make a million too Jack will not jump over the candlestick. Why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do. Put your stuff on the market. You can make a million too. And that concludes this week's episode of Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. For a full list of today's guest and interview, visit our website, thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. We'll be back next week on this radio station at this time. For a full list of our radio affiliates and other media partners, please visit our website, thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and from the staff here at Coffee and Capitalism Radio, we're asking you to be happy, make money, and give back. Thanks for joining us this week, folks. Sign on our front porch saying, hot stuff will say, why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do. Put your stuff on the market. You can make a million, too.
Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 